on this episode of AV Week, major merger and acquisition week in the AV industry, AVI, SPL, and Whitlock, as well as Yorktel and VCA. In addition to that, LG is pulling out of ISE, what that means for Integrated Systems Europe 2020, and all those attending. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 442, recorded Thursday, February 6th, 2020. Don't panic. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, Sound Extraordinary, and by Access Networks, and by QSC, who invites you to go native with the QSIS audio, video, and control ecosystem. This is AV Week. Your weekly wrap-up of audio, visual, news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. We have had a week of mergers and acquisitions, actually starting about a week ago uh, through today. We are recording this on the 6th of February uh, as the rest of us get ready for ISC, Integrated Systems Europe. So, uh, but one of the major uh, announcements uh, took the SEN Top 50, uh, and I guess shrunk it down. I don't know if it shrunk it down by one or not, but it took number one and number three uh, and um, sort of combining them together with me to talk about the merger between AVI-SPL and Whitlock is my buddy, Mr. Nathan Legg from AVI-SPL. Welcome, sir. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Good, good. Uh, we're, we're using an article from our friends over at uh, AV Magazine uh, per their, um, their article there uh, talking about Marlin Equity. Marlin uh, is the company that uh, got a majority stakeholder, uh, majority stake in uh, Whitlock a number of years ago, they are getting a majority stake in AVISPL um, and con- kind of co- combining the two together. Um, first kind of question for you there. When it comes to um, AVISPL, the number one on, on the SCN top 50 and, and Whitlock the number three there, what is this new merged company going to be called? Uh, we'll actually continue as AVISPL. Okay. Um, but uh, it's important to note that uh, nothing will change at this point um, until this agreement. Uh, the the what we discussed was, uh, or what we announced, I should say, is this is a definitive agreement uh, to merge. Okay. Uh, and once that is uh, finalized, uh, which we're hoping for by the end of uh, of this quarter, um, that is when uh, we'll be able to work together, and that's uh, uh, work together as AVISPL. And just to be clear, there are some certain things that you're going to be able to say and the way you're saying it. There's a lot of legal mumbo jumbo here that, that you've got to be careful of as a representative of AVISPL and also as an employee of AVISPL. So it, right. he's not being funny. He's just, you know, <laughs> I, um, I'm, I'm not dodging any questions. No, not no, no, dodging no. any questions. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, all right. So, so kind of uh, walk me through a, a merger of this size, an, a, an agreement of this size is massive, at least in the AV world. There are others uh, outside of the, in the tech world that they would see this and go, oh yeah, with, that happens on Tuesdays. Uh, but here, it's, it's a pretty significant one. So walk me through, how did this, how did this uh, agreement uh, come about? Well, it's pretty much as you mentioned. Uh, Marlin Equity Partners was uh, a Whitlock stakeholder uh, for, uh, oh, actually, I think it was uh, since uh, last October. Um, and, um, you know, as they were looking at uh, different ways to grow, this opportunity presented itself uh, to, to both companies. 
Um, and as with most opportunities, this one looked too good to pass up. <laughs> so uh, uh, that's um, uh, that, that's really where <laughs> where it ends. There, it's it was just something that needed to happen. <laughs> All right. I, one question that always comes up in any sort of merger and acquisition is what this means, you know, first and foremost to the employees of both both companies, uh, but also honestly to the customers. Uh, AVISPO and Whitlock both have had. Tremendous growth, uh, both in the North American markets, but also you know, internationally as well. You and I are both heading to ISC that, you know, AVISBL has had a stand there for a number of years, uh, but also to the vendors, you know, so what, what does this mean to, to all the stakeholders kind of connected to it? Um, I think ultimately it means that it's a chance to just work with more great people <laughs> as one uh, company. Um, it's, it's something that, um, you know, uh, again, going back to the, the last question, when we talked about this being a great opportunity, there's this was a great opportunity because of a growing industry. It's uh, the growing need from our customers, from a, a, a needing that local support, um, uh, that global delivery, um, and a bunch of uh, different options uh, in terms of uh, those digital workplace services. So by having um, you know, a lot more talent, a lot more uh, great minds at work, uh, you know, driving toward one goal. Um, I think ultimately it's just going to be something that, you know, we have people that are very uh, uh, excited about. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the local support, uh, and I talked for a second there about, about your, your expansion. How does a merger like this help AVISPL and, and, and everybody kind of, you know, as this deal gets done, all the folks um, that are connected with the company, how does this help you in that global expansion? And honestly, with the connecting and, and the servicing of your customers you know, globally, but also at a local level. So again, it goes back to uh, you know, our collective individual resources uh, as a collective, um, you know, taking each other's best practices. You know, once this uh, agreement is finalized, we're actually getting uh, together uh, as a team and saying, you know, what's the, What's the go forward plan here? How are we going to uh, uh, make this all happen? And it's going to be taking each other's best practices um, and putting together that strategy that uh, delivers the results that we both expect. All right, very good. Nathan, I appreciate your time. I mentioned the fact that you guys will be at ISC. So as we're posting this on the Monday before, um, how do people get a hold of you, get a hold of AVISBL, or, or where can they find you uh, during the, the ISC show? Well, I hope they can stop at our booth. Uh, that's going to be uh, stand number 11-C155. They make it really easy yeah. <laughs> to remember, right? Uh, but um, uh, outside of that, I'm available on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, Nathan Legg, um, I'm, I'm there. You'll find me. And uh, uh, you can also follow uh, AVISPL at AVISPLinfo on Twitter. All right. Thank you, Nathan Legg. Nathan Legg again from AVISPO with us to talk about that story and the rest of the mergers and acquisitions and the rest of the news we've gathered for the week. Mr. Bradford Ben from, well, he's my boss, so uh, parts unknown, but also from Aviation. Welcome, sir. I'm doing well. And just because AV James likes me to say it, allow me to put in my disclaimer once again. I speak for no one but myself. My opinions do not represent those of my employer, my wife, my friend Tim, my dog, my enemies. Anyone but me is who I speak for. So if you don't like what I say, it's all my fault. If you like what I say, it's all my fault.
there are days he does speak for me, just for the record. Uh, also with us is Tom LeBlanc from NSCA. Welcome, sir. Hey, it's good to be here, Tim. So again, let's wrap up again. We've got, we've got two, I mentioned two, another uh, merger and acquisition. Obviously, uh, the, the big one here is, is AVISPL and Whitlock merging together. Um, roughly $1.3 billion. Uh, if you pay attention to SCN's top 50, this is number one and number two. Um, combining together. In addition to that, you've also got Yorktail acquiring VCA, Video Com uh, Corporation of America, out of New York. This one's a little bit, a little bit different, though. Um, VCA is going into in, going into bankruptcy, and so some people have re referred to this as almost like a a, a bankruptcy uh, acquisition. Um, February third is when um, VCA filed Chapter Eleven bankruptcy uh, in U.S. Bankruptcy Court in New Jersey. Um, this is from uh, the folks, excuse me, um, at, um, uh, good Lord, at Yorktel, good Lord, I can't even think. Uh, it says, quote, unquote, we will now be able to offer a broader market, a full suite of services, including managed conferencing services, media services, system integrations, maintenance, and staff augmentation and support. Uh, Bradford, I'm going to start with you on this. Both of these mergers and acquisitions come this week. Um, the week before ISA, I don't know if that was planned or not. Uh, I don't know if it's a first quarter thing or not. Um, obviously, uh, the AVISPL and Whitlock one has been in talks for quite a while just because of the nature. Now, just so we're clear again, the AVISPL um, Whitlock piece is not done. Neither is the Yorktel and, and BCA. These deals are not signed, sealed, and delivered yet. They are both uh, kind of announcing their intention. If both of these deals go through, what does this do to the landscape uh, of the industry? What does it do to the landscape of, of integrators out there? So I think the landscape of the industry is going to change more than expected uh, with AVISPL and Whitlock uh, becoming acquired. I'm, it's not, it's a merger, but it's also an acquisition by a by a uh, venture or you know a capital company, a venture capital company that's looking at this is let's bring in more profit, and by getting rid of one of your comp competitors, it's definitely going to be helpful. But the bigger thing is the sheer the sheer size and scale of them. Uh, when I left Harman uh, about two years ago, we were a one billion dollar a year revenue company for Harman Pro. The size of revenue from AVISPL being and uh, Whitlock being projected at $1.3 billion is going to be big. It's going to give them a lot more leverage and perhaps an unfair amount of leverage against manufacturers of the, oh, you need to do this for us. We need a special OEM one. So I do think that's going to be somewhat similar to what happened with Guitar Center and the mom and pops uh, guitar stores. Uh, guitar Center became so powerful, a lot of the smaller independent guitar stores went away. Uh, and I think that Yorktail and VCA is a completely different animal. Uh, I, I think it's a, I don't want to say fire sale, but Chapter 11 bankruptcy isn't a small thing. Sometimes being acquired is your best way to get your cash flow back, pay off your debtors, and more importantly, keep all of your people employed. Uh, you know, I know having gone through, 
you know, various business permutations over the past dozen so years of there are times the best decision is to let yourself be bought so that your employees can still, you know, get paid, have health insurance, et cetera. So that one I put in a different category because once you file chapter 11, you're kind of saying, okay, we need some help. Things are going on. We're in, we're in the deep end. And Yorktel was, was ready to come in and help them. And I think that's a good thing. I think having another company stay afloat is good. Uh, because I think if we had just lost another top 20 integrator, that's a different issue than, than merging two top 20 integrators. I think the big push with the large companies, that's huge. And I do think that in both of the, in Yorktel and VCI, I think there's going to be less pruning of overlapping skills uh, because they're not as wide flung. I think in AVISPL and Whitlock, I think there's going to be, let's go to centralized purchasing, let's go to centralized payroll, let's do this as centralized. And having been someone who's worked for those big monolithic companies, sometimes that becomes dis, 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 becomes a disadvantage because you now have all these overhead steps to take care of. You're doing things like holding purchase orders so you can get order 10 of something and get a bigger discount instead of ordering the one you need to be able to finish the project. So I think there is some risk there, but I think the big thing is they're going to be a stalwart. They're going to have a huge footprint, going to be able to do what Joe hates of, I think these are going to be the people who can do AV as a service. Despite what, what Joe Way says, I think they're going to be big enough, have, a, have enough of a footprint that for corporate AV and conference rooms, they're going to be able to pull that off, especially when you look at things like the 24-7 support that AVISPL has, which is something that would expand on what Whitlock has. So I think it's a big deal, and it's going to have repercussions probably for two or three years. I also think that if there is shedding of personnel, that's going to be a bonus for some of the companies some of the competitors to those companies because there might be people who are like, well, I joined AVI, I joined SPL, this isn't that company anymore. I joined Whitlock, it's not that company anymore. So I think this is a big monumental watershed moment, kind of like Samsung buying Harman. It's gonna have long-term repercussions that we don't even begin to understand yet. You know, it honestly wouldn't surprise me at a $1.3 billion revenue that they don't start manufacturing their own products and wow. not having suppliers anymore. Because if you can call up a Chinese manufacturer and go build me a thousand of these, it kind of changes a whole lot of things. Sorry, I kind of wandered there, but no, no, it's, as you it's can a tell, great, it's I think a, it's a, it's a big thing. It's a great point. I, I do. I, I do have to correct myself. I, I misspoke. Um, Whitlock was number number not number two on SCN's top fifty. They were number three. It, uh, but it was it was AVISPL diversified and then Whitlock. Um, Tom, what are the interesting things about this about this deal? Let's, let's start with there. Uh, is, is they are characterizing it as as an acquisition. The company that that's funneling that that's funding this is, is Merlin. The company that own majority of, of Whitlock is now going to be the majority owner of these two companies together. 
things like this have, have, have increased over the last, let's say, five to, to 10 years. Uh, I know that you and I were a part of, of a couple of discussions at the NSCA BLC a couple of years ago, talking about um, you know, companies being acquired by, by venture capitalists and, and you know, uh, investment banks coming in. When things like this happen and we start seeing more and more investment by investment firms and, in, and investment banking, whether that is from the integrator side or even the manufacturer side, should we see that as a good sign in the industry? In other words, these companies are, are looking at integrators, they're looking at manufacturers, uh, and they're saying, "Hey, you know what? Th this is this is a good investment. We want, uh, we think that these companies are going to be in for the long haul. We think these companies are profitable, so we're going to invest our our funds in here, with the idea that obviously we think that we're going to get a return on this." Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but you know, I guess if you want to look on the bright side, which you know. Is probably a good thing to do. Um, it, it's a sign that you know really smart investors see a lot of future for you know the AV market and particularly for AV integration. Um, it also, you know, very much changes the dynamic of the industry. And this is not new, right? Like we've been talking about this. Like you mentioned, we talked about it at um, BLC a couple of years ago uh, when I was at Commercial Integrator. We wrote an awful lot about it. Um, in fact, I remember, I think it was the State of the Industry Report in uh, probably 2018, where I had a title, The Incredible Shrinking uh, Industry. And I mean, kind of the point of that was, yeah, the industry is growing on one level, because as we just described, you know, there's a lot of money being funneled into the AV industry, but there are fewer companies that are providing the AV integration and that's because of so much consolidation at the top. And that's because, you know, the top few companies are getting bigger and bigger, often fueled by this venture capitalist money. Um, and it very much changes the dynamic of the industry. You know, beyond, you know, the companies that you mentioned, there was another acquisition just before that diversified um, had acquired sensory technology. And, yep. you know, I, I think at NSCA, I think we saw, a reduction of four NSCA member companies within just what the last few days, the last couple of weeks. And we always joke at NSCA that you know, our colleague Teresa, who's kind of, you know, responsible for, you know, being the liaison for integration companies. I don't know if her job got easier or harder, but there's less companies for her to get to deal with right now. Um, you know, I think the other thing is though, like we always kind of framed it as, yeah, I mean, you can look at it as these companies at the top are getting to be this behemoth um, uh, opponents in the marketplace that are going to be difficult to go to battle with. However, the flip side of that is it creates more of a opportunity for a unique value proposition for the smaller integration firms, because now we've got this whole spectrum. We've got like we've got these big companies at the top and then we've got companies that are kind of like, you know, $20 million, $50 million companies that kind of still make up the bulk of the industry. And I think there's an opportunity for those companies to, you know, really identify what do we want to be? How are we going to be unique? How are we going to compete in this changing marketplace? And obviously it's not, it's not a, a positive for them that now their biggest competitors are getting bigger and and you know more difficult to compete with 
but it is an opportunity for them to kind of look strategically within their organization and identify, here's what we do uniquely. And here's what we do in a custom way that it's difficult for a very large organization to compete with on our level. And there's that opportunity. The other thing I wanted to mention though, Tim, you know, like with all these mergers and acquisitions, they don't always work, right? And when they don't work, it's usually because the company cultures don't match. And I'm not making any kind of a statement about any of the recent mergers because, you know, what the heck do I know about, you know, whether or not the company cultures are going to be in sync. But like when, when company cultures are a match in a merger and acquisition situation, it turns out really well. Like the, the positive is overwhelming. But when it doesn't match, it is such a mess. And it's, it's a mess to the point where the company suffers and they shed employees and they spawn new competitors that continually create challenges down the road. So it'll be interesting to watch that. NSCA has this um, pretty cool white paper like that kind of dives into like best practices when it comes to exploring, you know, whether or not you should be in this M&A world. And it has, you know, cautionary tales and it has good advice. And, you know, if one thing, if we've learned one thing in the past couple of weeks from all these mergers, it's that everybody needs to be reading up on what if this becomes part of their work life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and there's something to be said about, about that. One thing I want to bring Bradford back in, in here real quick. We actually talked about, about the disparity here when we talked about, when we, when we covered the, the SDN top 50. And, and let, me, let me read something off here real quick, guys, and, and Bradford, I'll get your take on this. And, and Tom, feel free to jump in. At the time, um, AVISPL was the, the number one. They were at 905 million. Two was diversified at 875. Whitlock was three at 360. Then you drop down to number four, AVI Systems at $290 million. Then you drop again down to 167, $167 million, then to 150. By the time you hit the top 10, the top 10 in the US, you were barely over $100 million, 115 with SKC Communications uh, out of Kansas City. By the time you get to the 20s, right, uh, of the SCN top 50, you are well below that. Um, uh, Key uh, Code Media is at $60 million. So you've got a ginormous uh, disparity between almost a billion dollars, which will be a billion dollars now, 1.3, down to, the, to $60 million. Bradford, what do, do, to Thomas' point about you know, making sure that, that you understand where you are, the smaller companies can be more nimble. They can do some things that ginormous corporations can't. Uh, whether that's Samsung and Harmon or whether that's, um, you know, uh, Snap AV now, which is the most recent uh, good size uh, acquisition with uh, merging with, with Control 4, where you've got, you know, bigger pockets, you've got, you know, um, bigger processes and more people, but you also sometimes lose some of that nim- uh, nimbleness. So I think one of the key things is that very often we're looking at the success of a company as their top line revenue, which while it's important and gives you an idea of the size, that doesn't talk a whole bunch about whether or not they're making a profit, whether or not their margin is at 5% or 20%, whether or not they're providing good product, whether or not to quote, as Tom alluded to, it's a good culture, it's a non-toxic culture. 
All those things aren't quite wrapped up in there. Also, there's the fact that this is self-reported values. So some of these, some, not everyone reports. That, 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 yeah, remember. that is accurate. Yeah, there, there are a couple of folks that we've talked to in the past who, who actively do not report to that, yes. Right. So, but I also do think that this illustrates a widening of choices. But the same thing is happening with Amazon and other box companies. The same, anytime you get these monolithic huge companies, they become the higher them, off it goes, it gets cranked. I think a lot of it, though, is due to some of these larger volume companies being able to support large dollar corporate companies that have huge footprints. You know, if, if I am a Fortune 100 company and I need to roll out 3,000 conference rooms, am I going to call AVISPL that has, you know, that can handle a billion dollars worth of revenue? Or am I going to call the local guy who can do it, can give me my good service, can show up on weekends, can do all that stuff, but can't handle all 3,000? And that's a different decision. But then you look at some of the other key parts of the AV market. This AVISPL and Whitlock, the vast majority of their income is through corporate. That's what they specialize in. They, now, if you're building a church, other house of worship, stuff like that, are you going to want to call AVISPL who's not specialized in that? Or are you going to want to call a smaller company, maybe one that's local, that's going to treat you a little more special than a big company. So the, the divergence in revenue doesn't scare me because I think that's natural based on the customer basis. It would be like saying your mom and pop grocery store at the corner doesn't make as much as Walmart. But where do you go food shopping more often? It's... The example I can use is some companies don't want to get that big. I think you and I, I think all three of us know companies that have said, I'm perfectly happy being at a hundred million dollar company. My kids can go to whatever college they want. I can pay for everyone. Everyone's well insured at the office, et cetera. Easy done. That's their level of comfort. That's why I'm kind of like this how big your top line revenue is, isn't the gauge of a quality company. Yes, it means they can finance bigger projects. Yes, in theory, they have more people that can do more projects simultaneously. But volume and quantity and quality aren't always the same. So I think there's a large opportunity for these smaller and medium-sized AV companies to still make a dent and be active. Like, Yorktel, like VCA, like Omega Audio Video, like, you know, take your pick. It could be Morgan Sound in, in Washington State. There's tons of these smaller companies that do high-level work at a smaller scale, but are just as successful when you look at a happy customer base. Absolutely. So I think the numbers are fine. It's not a great thing that, that we don't have as much stability as we want, but I'd much rather 
have a good quality vendor that I can call up and go, hey, you know, this projector lens is out of focus. Can you come over and tweak it for me? And they go, yeah, great. Because we've had that relationship, they made a better margin. Then another large monolithic company that throws in 20 projectors a week and goes, well, that's a you problem. Or, or who are you again? <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, guys, real quick as we wrap up here, I, I do want to mention one last story as, as we head to, honestly, I head to ISD. Uh, by the time this posts, I will be fully ensconced uh, in some sort of place in Amsterdam. Um, the uh, LG is pulling out of Integrated Systems Europe 2020. Uh, the statement on their website says, with the quote unquote, with the safety of its employees, partners, and customers foremost in mind, LG has decided to withdraw from exhibiting and participating uh, at ISC, as well as uh, MWC, which is the Mobile World Congress 2020 later this month in Barcelona, Spain. This decision removes the risk of exposing hundreds of LG employees to international travel, which has already become more restrictive as the virus continues to spread across borders. The virus being the corona uh, virus that they're mentioning there. Um, Mike Blackman from uh, ISC has uh, also made a statement that is on our website, uh, quote, unquote, although uh, Chinese airports are already ex exercising exit controls with health tests, we ask all of you who are attending ISC, whichever country you're coming from, uh, to work with us and exercise some common health practices. If you have any relevant sy symptoms or in fact any health threatening symptoms, whatever they may be, uh, we feel that, and you feel that you put exhibitors and yourself at, at risk. Please seek medical advice and refrain from traveling. Tom, real quick question here as, as we wrap up, and a, a bunch of us, including uh, myself and Matt Scott and our, our editor Mitchell, uh, goes to, to Amsterdam and ISC. Uh, how big of a deal is this going to be at the end of the week, uh, come you know February 14th, um, when we all kind of head out back from Amsterdam, um, understanding that only one exhibitor as of right now uh, has, has, has decided not to, not to show. Uh, LG, uh, just for the record, is, is headquartered um, in South Korea, kind of right there in the middle of the Asia Pac area. Uh, um, we're aware of some uh, companies, not you know, South Korean companies or Asia Pac companies, but folks who have um, employees in those areas are asking those employees not to travel so the rest of the company is, is traveling. They're just asking the folks that are in South Korea, in China, in, in parts of India, not to travel right now because of this. Um, you know, are we, you know, we're still, still going to get together. There'll still be roughly 80,000 people uh, at the end of the day. But how, how smart is this? And, and, and the wisdom, I guess, of, of LG um, three or four days before the show opens. Yeah, I mean, the timing of it is a little odd, but that's not LG's fault, right? I mean, sure. we're, we're learning more about everything. I mean, I, I'm no expert on the virus and what's going on, but I will say that I applaud LG, you know, not because like the decision is a smart decision or a not smart decision, but I mean, I'm just guessing that LG took a look at, you know, its workforce and its employees and you know, the folks who are going to be attending and representing LG or would be attending and representing LG at the event. And I'm guessing that those folks, you know, they love their company and they love their work, but maybe they didn't feel comfortable going. And maybe the folks at LG kind of recognized, okay, well, we don't want to put our employees in that position. And they made a unique decision to decide not to put them in that position. And 
I just don't see any other perspective other than to applaud them for that because they, they lose out on a lot, right? I mean, they were kind of the star or among the stars of the show last year, the year before. And, um, you know, they're, they're missing out on that opportunity, but they're, they're making a decision that they think is right for their company and their employees. Um, so, I mean, I applaud LG for that. Right, for the same kind of question. You've been around, uh, you, you've worked for a manufacturer for a number of years, so you've been intimately involved uh, even before most of us have ever set foot on the show floor. You've been in the back rooms and, and on the show floor when there was still sawdust. They made this decision basically when they had to because uh, sitting here, we're recording this on, on Thursday, ahead of the, of the weekend before ISC. Folks are already showing up and have been since yesterday. Uh, so LG made this decision pretty much the day they had to because had they not, then the folks that would have been building their booth would have showed up yesterday and started you know, construction. I think LG pushed this decision as late as they could. That's the one thing, because I think what they were doing is kind of what what uh, what ISC and what Infocom and pretty much everyone's talking about is follow what the World Health Organization says, follow these guidelines, and then if you think it's worth doing something more, do something more. I know there have been a lot of people on the Twitterverse who are amazingly concerned about going to ISC and what the problems are. And I fully get it. I'm not downplaying it, but I'm also saying you don't have to go. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tim, if you were to say to me, you don't want to go as your boss, I would go, well, okay, that's fine. Let's figure out how we're going to cover it. That is your prerogative. That's your prerogative as an attendee. The other thing is I think there's a little bit of short-sightedness here. Uh, the first thing is there are another 50 companies from China that are not exhibiting. They have yes. pulled out as well. They have pulled out. So it's not, it's not that LG is the first one to pull out. It's the first large non-China company. The other thing is this is a large gathering place. True story. 100% true. Large gathering place. How many people went to Miami for the Super Bowl? How many people are in Las Vegas? How many people are at a theme park? How many people go to church on Sunday? It's, it's a sense of scale and, and exposure. You know, it is your decision. I'm, it's not something to be trifled with. I'm not trying to make light of it, but it's kind of like the same thing of when anti-vaxxers are letting their kids who haven't been vaccinated for measles go to a theme park they are putting just as many people at risk as the coronavirus is now. Admittedly, the after effects are much worse. It's a more serious complication. But then you look at Legionnaire's disease that started at Legionnaire's convention. You look at going on a cruise, a petri dish floating in the middle of the ocean. So I agree it's an important thing, and I applaud LG for making the decision they felt was right for them their employees, and their customers, because it is a huge hit. Yeah. But we're still talking about them, so they're still getting some press. They're still losing a lot of money, but, you know, because they're not, I'm pretty sure ISE is not going to refund them, and I'm pretty sure the hotels and airfare is not going to get refunded. So it is a big deal, but I also want to say they're doing what they think is right. 
Yeah. I applaud them for that. There is no one right answer. It's kind of like, did you get a flu, flu shot? A flu vaccine shot, Tim? Yes. Did you get one, Tom? No. See? So, Tom, would you go out to the movies during the flu season? Well, reluctantly, yes. But you have. You see the exact, that's kind of my point, is we're still in the same situation. It, but, you know, it sounds funny. People forget that the flu kills over 8,000 people a year. Yep. So it's the same issue that we just, it's on a much faster, worse scale. I'm not downplaying it, but I'm saying let's not just focus on the coronavirus. Let's focus on all these things that we have opportunities of ignoring and not dealing with, like measles at theme parks, like legionnaire disease at conventions, all these other things that can happen just as easily that people don't think about. So I just think it's a little bit of, okay, let's be aware, let's take our precautions. It might not be for everyone. If you're pregnant, I would definitely say don't go. Tim, if you're pregnant, we have to have a little talk. But it's one of those, you know, let's keep things in perspective. There were some people who I think were just shouting conspiracy theories and the sky is falling without looking at the overall context of this. Yeah. Yes, it's serious. Yes, it's big. But if it's not going to be our biggest problem at the moment. Yes, it has the ability to become a pandemic. But remember, SARS had the same thing. We were able to manage and get through that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've gotten a couple of emails this week asking if I'm concerned, and quite frankly, I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm, this is, we're recording this on Thursday because I'm heading out on Friday, right? Uh, heading over to Amsterdam. So yeah, we're, we're all groovy. We'll be there. So gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, Mr. LeBlanc, thank you, sir. How do people get a hold of you or NSCA? So NSCA.org. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, LeBlancTom. And uh, most importantly, I'd like to see a lot of folks in person at the NSA Business and Leadership Conference in Dallas, which is February 26th to 28th. And we're really excited about that. Yeah, you, will, you get to see me there too. So uh, also, uh, Mr. Bradford, Ben, thank you, sir. Your pleasure as always to have me on. Uh, you can find me at avnation.tv or bradfordben.com or any place your social media takes you to the Twitters at, at Bradford Ben. Uh, once again, my opinions, my feelings, don't yell at Tim, yell at me. If you like them, they're my ideas. Uh, everyone travel safe. Uh, also, congratulations to those people who won uh, for the AV Nation Awards that Tim's going to be handing out at ISC next week. Uh, I've peeked in there and seen that I did not win. Uh, so I'm a little disappointed by that. There, there's a reason for uh, that. Yeah, I'm not allowed to. So that, that and I jacked uh, it to where you couldn't win. So yes, exactly. I'm not allowed to. Uh, and since the don't follow Tim on the Twitters, go to AV Nation. Take a look at what we're doing there. Follow AVNation.tv. Now he's just complaining about the St. Louis Blues because the Bears are off golfing for the next six months. So he has much That's less accurate. to talk about. Uh, but we do appreciate you listening and uh, being part of this. We ask you to reach out, ask us questions and comments. We want this to be a conversation. In fact, Tim and I, I'm going to 
going to foreshadow a show that we're thinking about of asking us questions and we just go and talk about them. Uh, but we do very much appreciate you listening as well as our sponsors who support us. Please make sure to say thank you when you see them at ISC. Travel safe, everybody, and uh, be on the lookout for Tim. And just remember, I told him he's not allowed to buy any of you anything more than, more expensive than a coffee. That'll work. Yeah, I, I can do that. So, uh, yeah. Also, you know, Brad Fred mentioned uh, next week at, at ISC, uh, tune in, if you would, please, every day at 5.30 um, Amsterdam time, so roughly 11.30 Eastern time. We will do, including on Monday, we will do a, a daily wrap-up, a live stream from the show. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Matt, Scott, and or I uh, will be hosting a live stream, kind of a daily wrap-up, five, ten minutes, kind of give you the sense of, of uh, the show itself. Friday, the show technically ends at 4 o'clock lo local, so we will be doing that uh, episode at 3.30 um, local. So um, if my math is correct, that is roughly... Um, um, 8.30, carry the one, find, I had no idea off the top of my head, 8.30 in the morning, 9.30 in the morning, um, uh, Eastern time. So uh, live stream will be here on, on AV Nation. Uh, Matt Scott will be joining me uh, as well as a bunch of others. Uh, check out the tweet up, happens 4.30 to 5.30 local uh, at the Poly booth. So you can come by, uh, grab a drink, grab something to eat. Um, if you see us, hit us up on the Twitters or just throw something at us uh, as we're walking through the 15 halls of the 2020 ISC. So thank you to Minsa both so much. Thank you again to our, our sponsors. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AB Week.